and welcome to the Earthborn Games Podcast. I'm your host, Andres Carlson, and joining me today are just two guys. We've got Andrew Fisher coming in. Hello. <laughs> How you doing, Andrew? <laughs> I'm uh, I'm doing pretty good. I, I I ate a big dinner before this, so I'm I'm a little sleepy, but hopefully I'll uh, I'll pick up as we start chatting. <laughs> the blood sugar spike and the crash I've just heard about on a TikTok video. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I was <laughs> I ate a giant enchilada and then was s- sitting on the couch like, mm. all right, I'm gonna need to. To ramp up to podcast, here we go. <laughs> what do you do? What do you do to ramp up for this podcast? I don't know. I well, to be honest, I, I did a couple jumping jacks before oh. I sat down, just to like you know, kind of get the blood flowing, you know, kind of thing. That's great. Some How did that maybe? play with your enchilada? Oh, not well. <laughs> yeah, enchilada and some scotch and jumping jacks do Ooh. not combine well. <laughs> it, it does not sound like a great match. <laughs> So this might be a really exciting podcast if my stomach gets. <laughs> you might you might need to take a little break halfway through, and we'll we'll understand. Um, also joining me is Mr. Andrew Navarro. How you doing? Hello, I am doing well. I'm doing. Well. How do you prepare? How do you prepare for this podcast? Uh, I for the show. So I sit down and I uh, take some deep breaths. I center myself. I, uh, effectively like, well, I call on, uh, like the aid of my, uh, my helping spirits, uh, effectively like praying <laughs> and, uh, you know, it has to be, yeah. you know, to do a good job, to be entertaining, be thoughtful. And, uh, wow. Yeah. Try to set my intention. That's, a, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. I do that every day that's before the kind of thing. work also. It's uh, the kind of thing I always intend to do. You know, I, I love that kind of thing. And I, I just do it like once or twice and then I just forget to do it next time. How do you keep doing it? Habit. Anything. Anything that's just good habit. for you. Just make a habit. Just, just, just make a habit of it. You know, I need to, set, I need to start doing that with uh, exercise as well, um, which I finally got some exercise this past week. I feel, I feel like I need to carry that momentum forward and maybe you know, go to the gym and get on the, get on the elliptical machine. Mm-hmm. I heard about this thing called neat movement. Do you know what neat movement is? I wish I knew what it stood for. No, I basically, haven't heard of this. Basically getting exercise just by, uh, you know, picking something off the ground at your, in your home, you know, just those little movements that we do every day. And if you, and, and I find if I'm thinking about it as, 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 as an exercise, it kind of feels better to, you know, clean up the house, do the dishes, go, tidy up the the lawn or whatnot you're getting your neat sure non-exercise activity thermogenesis apparently (laughs) (laughs) it's a fancy way of saying walking around and doing stuff i know that 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 acronym it was like real basic for the first three letters and then thermogenesis thermogenesis. (laughs) non-exercise activity things is what i thought it was going to go for um No, but I I like that. I like that kind of policy, right? This is why, you know, I, I, I actually enjoy helping like friends move, for example, because Mm. I'm like, I'm probably going to spend an hour today pointlessly lifting metal over my head. I might as well lift your boxes over my head instead for an actual purpose, you know, like, as opposed to just sitting in a basement with like dumbbells, I can actually do something at the same time as getting exercise. Yes. 
and and you know sitting there with dumbbells it it can feel tedious and long and boring and uh picking up your friends boxes actually feels like you're doing something distracting you <laughs> anyway um and we're missing evan this week because evan we are had well his his wife had a, a beautiful child and he's learning how to raise a baby i've been texting him pointers tips and tricks and he's they're doing great and uh, we're probably going to have some special guests in the coming weeks uh, to sit in for Evan. And that's very exciting. Anybody want to yeah. tease anything on that? Or <laughs> Well, there's yeah. only so Go many ahead, people who are working on the project. So uh, you could look at that very short list. <laughs> for some possible and... guests. <laughs> and you might be able to uh, figure out who we're going to try. That's to the way to do out. it. Yeah, you guys speculate in the Discord what big names we're going to be seeing here in the coming weeks. <laughs> right? Um, what A-list celebrities may or may not show up right. on the Earthborn Games podcast. <laughs> My friend works for Conan O'Brien. Maybe we can Ooh. get Conan on here. Clueless tabletop gamer. Yeah. He would. He, I, I think we'd just sit back, and then Conan O'Brien would just do a thing for five <laughs> minutes, and then, uh, and then he'd be gone. I know. <laughs> we we, we, we could right show him a Lutronol, l- let him riff off of like Lutronols or some of our other art, and then you know just sit back and <laughs> yeah, let that happen. That yeah, what if great. I pulled that off? That would be Got awesome. On here, do it. <laughs> okay, I'll try my best. He, he, would, never, <laughs> he would never do it. Um, so we're going to miss Evan. So the show may be about five minutes shorter. We'll see without his input. And (laughs) who, who are we going to give shit to though? Like, I feel like we've had this running tradition of giving Evan shit about something at the beginning of the show. And now it's not the same. Who's it going to be? I think we're all alpha dogs. So we're not (laughs) (laughs) right. (laughs) Um, what was I going to say? Anyway, we're going to miss him. Um, sorry, I'm freezing up here. We've got the normal stuff today. We're done with our top fives. We're, we're thinking about other ideas for top fives. Leave some ideas for us. Um, listener questions, etc. cetera. Um, so let's start with those. Um, last week I asked people to say in the comments where they are listening from or watching from. And uh, someone here put a little list together. Was it Andrew or Andrew? Yeah, I just went I think through it was the... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I just went through the YouTube comments for the people who uh, who uh, commented with where they were listening from. And I thought it was pretty awesome. There was a much more uh, international audience than I expected. I know, it was pretty, yeah, pretty it was cool. Yeah, it was a huge variety of people. It was, it was very cool. It's... Yeah. We got people. So we got from some from Australia, Can- yeah, Canberra, and Sydney, Australia, New Orleans, London, Switzerland, Edmonton, Quebec, Canada, Cleveland, Northeast United Kingdom, and Chile. I'm sure yeah. there's plenty more. Like according to that, you know, based on that list, I'm sure there's people all over the place. Yeah, like Worldwide. literally all over the world. Hmm. Wasn't there someone from Germany also kind of talking about? Uh, German. someone, the, the, I think the commenter from Switzerland, he commented on, uh, uh my, uh, my error of, uh, 
explaining what spiel meant in German, which of course means game. Right. But I was recalling in that moment a, a conversation I had with someone in Germany, uh, a German who was talking about like the importance of games in their culture and that it was like the mm. same word for play as, as game and play were effectively the same. Um, mm. They're not exactly the same. It's like the same root word. Uh, I don't know how to, I don't know how to pronounce German properly, but it's like spielen Spiel. is, spielen. is yeah. play and spiel is, is game. So, uh, yeah. So that well, was, I know we, <clears throat> that was a correction. I know we have at least one listener in Germany because I know that Ben from Frosted Games usually listens. <laughs> listens so mm-hmm. right, that's <laughs> so true. At least that's one. True. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hi Ben. <laughs> Hi Ben. <laughs> guten Guten Tag. Um, let's go to a, a question. This one's from Byron, and it comes via email. I feel like Byron has written in before. What's up, Byron? Byron asks, how have you approached replayability in Earthborn Rangers? In your opinion, what compels a player to want to keep playing a game? And where in Earthborn Rangers will they find that? Do you think there will be a time where you say, all right, the valley is done? Yeah, I think I think there will be. If I'm being realistic, there will be a time when you say, the valley is done, but we are also uh, making some expansions. So hopefully, uh, when it, you're feeling done with the valley, we can uh, expand on that map and add new areas for you to explore. Um, but to to the root question about replayability, um, it's definitely something we've thought a bit about. Um, but it honestly, on our priority list, it isn't as high as like our intention of like creating this living, breathing, open world, and telling a good story. Um, Those are our top priorities over, like, something that's, like, infinitely replayable, like a a roguelike or something. Um, That being said, it is a consideration. Um, It is something we've been considering while we've been working on the game. So uh, I think a few different elements of our design do factor into replayability. First of all, the open world uh, enables quite a bit of replayability. There's just a lot to do in the valley, and I don't think most plays will see everything. Uh, just a virtue of the size and scope of everything you can find throughout the valley. Uh, certainly, at the very least, people may want to, after they're done with the kind of main story, go back and kind of search out every corner of the valley, if not play through again to kind of see what things they missed. Uh, one other kind of factor. Now, this was a decision we made more about kind of creating a story that felt like your own, but it does factor into replayability as well, is kind of some of our branching that we have in the story. So our our story has a a few key branches that where you can make important decisions that really impact the valley. And then a bunch of our side missions also have kind of just different options for how you deal with them. And those may have repercussions on the living ecology of the valley and also like on what rewards you get. And so when you play through a second time, you're going to get, if you approach these missions in different ways, you're going to get different rewards. You're going to change the valley in different ways. And so your experience will be a little different. And so, well, I think we primarily made that decision in service of kind of a customized narrative. It does kind of help with playing a second time and not feeling like you're doing all the same things again. Yeah, I think also, uh, like you said, the game is the game is so large. So when I when I think about the question of replayability, 
you know, it's a, it's definitely a, like a bullet point on a sell sheet when they're talking about like how, you know, how replayable is your game. But when you have a game that is intended to be played, you know, 20 plus times <laughs> to get, to get through it, uh, that's a lot of replayability right there. Because, uh, <laughs> like I've said many times before, if you can get a game to the table 20 times, that game has succeeded. So I feel like uh, by its design and by the sheer amount of content we have in it, uh, you'll get a lot of like, a lot out of it. But I think also kind of speaking to games that are, you know, relatively content light, but are are like deep strategy games that have, you know, a lot of replayability or not even that deep of strategy games like a game like Catan or, you know, like, like Choir, that's pretty, pretty good strategy in that. Uh, you want to replay those games to get better and better at them. And I think there's an element of that to Earthborn Rangers as well. I feel like the the ritual of playing the game is enjoyable. And I think uh, you can improve your strategy. You can get better at it. And you, I think people who really get into the game will feel motivated to play it over and over again uh, to see if they can improve their performance and uh it's just it's an enjoyable experience so i think that i think is the the biggest thing in its benefit as far as replayability is that you play it it's fun and you want to play mm-hmm. it again which <laughs> is yeah i think the goal of any game <laughs> and when it, when a new friend comes over you want to say hey check out this let's you want to play this one it's a pretty sweet yeah. game let's play this one tonight this may feel like uh like a question that i should have already i should know based on being on this podcast for 12 episodes now but can you sit down and play a game of Earthborn like from start to finish in a night? Or is it meant to be ongoing? Only? Well, you can so you, so you can sit down and you can play one day of a campaign in, in a single night easily. Uh, however, each day is part of a larger campaign uh, that kind of tells the story over the course of many different play sessions. And so... That uh, is not feasible to fit into a single night. Uh, our campaign is long enough that there's just there's no way. Maybe like a marathon long weekend yeah. or something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you end up doing that when it launches, you should absolutely share it with us on social. That'd be awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, okay. But cool. we we are also going to be publishing online some standalone missions as well, so that people can just play a one off session with no kind of attachment to a larger campaign. Uh, they're going to be kind of based on some of the missions that show up throughout the campaign, mechanically at least. But it'll kind of give you that same Earthborn Rangers experience so you can kind of share it with somebody who might not be necessarily invested in your total story. Cool. Yeah. But so you, can definitely, about, yeah. uh, you can definitely, if you, if you jump in on someone else's campaign, like I did with a couple of friends when they were, when I was playtesting the campaign, I, I brought them in just for a session or two. You can, when I brought them, I, I would say, all right, this is where I am in the story. This is what we're trying to accomplish. Let's go do that. And then we were able to do that in a single play, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think in that way, you can get some satisfaction out of just jumping in on a campaign, getting something done and, and 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 getting out and that's a pretty cool part of that kind of yeah jump you know uh, jump that, in jump out co-op that's that, awesome. that, that 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 is a good point it is very easy to do because everything scales i i actually was so i'm i'm wrapping up my current playthrough test playthrough this week and i was um hoping to have my friend play with me on friday but i'm pretty sure i'm going to be like at the finales on friday 
And so <laughs> it'll be like, <laughs> welcome to Earthborn Rangers, buckle up. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, that sounds like great playtesting material to me. <laughs> All right. Thanks for your question, Byron. And next we've got a question from Olaskos via Instagram. That's maybe our first Instagram question. And it's World of Warcraft is one of my favorite fictional worlds slash lore. I also love the Arkham Horror Universe. What is everyone's favorite fictional universe? Oh, man, I should have read this before the show. <laughs> well, you <laughs> can answer going. last if you if you want. Uh, yeah. If you want to think about it. Yeah, we'll make make we'll make Andrew go first. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> well, first, I want to say is clearly our work uh, on the Arkham Horror IP has paid off. Because instead of saying Lovecraft, he said, uh, or mm-hmm. they said, uh, the Arkham Horror Universe. So that's pretty <laughs> cool. Uh, I think my, f- man, that's a tough one. I have a lot of favorites. It's hard to say. The, the first one that jumped to mind was Mass Effect. Mm. I loved Mass Effect. Uh, oh. That game was pretty fantastic. It was almost on my top five most influential games. But it's probably more on my top five favorite games <laughs> is uh mm, okay is that makes even sense the, yeah even the original mass effect i think i liked even a little bit more the mass effect 2 which i know is weird but i played that game i had so much charm it was so fascinating to me uh and the world okay. they built was so cool with so much detail so much to find it's so rich it was amazing and it I th- don't think the ending, the Mass Effect 3, really paid off quite as well as the the lead-up to it did. But um, I think that's, at the time at least, I was like, this is my favorite sci-fi universe. Like, forget Star Trek, forget Star Wars. Mass Effect is mm. it for me when I was in the throes of it. Now that it's been several years past, I don't know if I feel quite as strongly. Uh, but maybe Andromeda had something to do with that. Mm, <laughs> but yeah. uh, <laughs> But they're coming out with a new one, I think, and I'll play it, and I really enjoy it. So uh, I'm going to say Mass Effect for me. That's a good answer. I, That's I, cool. To your point about Mass Effect 1, while it wasn't as polished as 2, it was this big leap, right? Like BioWare had done some other projects, you know, but like this was just this massive step forward for for them. And like I loved how it felt new, but um, also like evoked all of like the rubber suit alien designs from like old sci-fi as well. Yeah. Like they just did a lot of cool things with it. Yeah. It's so cinematic. You know, they did film grain and they had a vignette and that was <laughs> like really easy, but it really added to the atmosphere. Mm. It's fantastic. So I think, so I, 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 I peeked at this question earlier today and I was very torn about this. Whenever I have to choose my favorite of something, I have a hard time. I think previously, at first I was kind of going for like what setting I'd most want to make a game in. And I think previously on, on other podcasts I've been on, I've mentioned that I really would love to make a game set in the Expanse setting. Mm-hmm. And uh, I do also want to really make a game set on Roshar, which is the setting for the Stormlight Archive uh, books. But I, I think... Sneaking in my runners up, there. <laughs> uh, maybe not like my runners up for favorite, but I think actually for favorite setting, the setting that like I've thought the most about, um, it's kind of a deep cut. Uh, I'm, you know, let me know in the comments or on Discord or wherever if uh, 
if you've read these books, but uh, there's this book series called, series called Malazan Book of the uh, Fallen. Yeah, Malazan Book of the Fallen. Um, and so the setting is kind of the Malazan Empire and surrounding area. Um, it's by this guy, Erickson. He, um, uh, and importantly to kind of some of his world building before he started writing, he was an archaeologist and anthropologist. And I think that kind of research really shows in his setting. I I hesitated to to choose this one because uh, I don't know how much I actually recommend the books to everybody. Like, I have a lot of criticisms about his actual writing, but his world building is really fascinating, and it's this cool mix of, like, these complex interlocking systems along with a lot of, like, really kind of uh, hand-wavy stuff that, like, is is steeped in allegory and, like... It's before he ever wrote it, it was actually like his RPG setting for him and a couple other authors that were running all these different camp interlocking campaigns together. And it really shows that like this thing got built up in this massive interlocking web before they ever started writing in it. Uh, I, I won't go into like gritty detail on all the things that make it cool, but I think that's the setting that has stuck with me the most and got me kind of thinking uh, the most. So nice. that's my choice. That's cool. Mm. It's a deep cut. I've never heard of it. <laughs> Mass Effect and The Expanse are both things that I've recently wanted to start. So that's cool that you guys both love those things. Um, I probably can fi- will think of something really great after this episode. But <laughs> all I could think of was I do love the, uh, the Lord of the Rings through, through the books. Um, I feel like that when it comes to fantasy sci-fi stuff. That feels very warm and lovely and rich to me. But yeah. this is not necessarily a place I'd like to be, but the world in in the, the game Inside, did you ever play Inside? That's yeah. Side-scrolling. No. It's, 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 not, it's not fleshed out in a way where you know anything that's going on. It's like, a, it's a, did you ever play Limbo? Yes. Yes, I, I also played Limbo, yeah. Okay, yeah. Those those uh, those worlds. I think I like stuff where it's kind of mysterious, very mysterious and uh, strange. And inside is is very much that. I was going to say limbo was like this creepy, and inside was like this creepy. So uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's creepy. It's, I just get sucked into the world. Like I, I guess I guess um, things that I watch, where I get just sucked into the world immediately. For some reason, the movie Pulp Fiction just entered my mind so that kind of you know it's not necessarily sci-fi but it's just a a world that you're just like suddenly when that movie comes on tv i just can't stop watching it until it's over um yeah man there's probably plenty more like that now that i've now that i'm on that track um <laughs> anyway that's a, that's a cool question uh next question from taylor have you all been listening to any music while you play the game during development? It can be thematic or not. Maybe a video game soundtrack? Skyrim would be an easy fit, I think. Bonus question for Andrew. What metal band or album would go well with Earthborn <laughs> Rangers? As a fellow metal fan, I can't think of anything myself. Perhaps something more prog like Dream Theater. <laughs> Great question. Good questions tonight. Yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, during development uh, last year, I listened to 
one album like pretty much nonstop uh, while I was working, not working. It was in my head uh, all the time. Uh, it's a album called uh, Terminal Redux by a band called Vector. Uh, that's a Vector with a K. And uh, they're a progressive thrash metal band. Uh, this album came out in 2016. I had not heard of it, uh, but then it came across my Spotify. And I listened to it one day while I was uh, doing chores around the house. And I was just completely blown away by it and fell in love with it immediately. And I've shared it with so many people. And almost everyone I've shared it with has been, this is, has said to me, this is completely unlistenable. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's like the worst thing I've ever heard. Uh, so <laughs> if you go out there and check it out, uh, are those people who are that into that kind of music? Well, it's. I feel like it's a it's a difficult album or sound to jump into immediately if you're not reasonably well seasoned in metal and progressive metal, uh, mm. and just really kind of uh, strange odd sounding things uh lots of speed and uh aggression uh-huh. and just vocals that i think objectively you'd say aren't good <laughs> but <laughs> uh-huh. but he goes for it in a way that i really appreciate um i think that's one of the things that really uh that i really enjoy about metal is that it when it's done right there's uh an earnestness to it that you can't hide you can't you can't fake it. You can fake it, but it's yeah. bad. Like you just have to listen to new Metallica to know what it's like to, to fake it uh, <laughs> and for it to be bad. Uh, but when it's, when it's good and there's that energy and emotion behind it, uh, it just, it, it carries through and it really, it, it really affects me in a really awesome way. So these guys, like they are going for it. And that singer, he, he does not have the wow. best voice, but man, does he go for it. And I really appreciate it. I just yeah, listened it took to me it a, a second. little bit. It, yeah, me too. It took oh, me a did? second to get to the singer, but I see, I see what you mean. <laughs> oh, you guys listening to it right now? <laughs> yeah, I just did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we both, we both pulled it up. <laughs> yeah, but it's a fantastic album, and I, I actually found really inspirational. It's, uh, it's like a concept album uh, that tells this amazing space opera story. It's hard to understand what he's saying when you're listening to him, but if you read the lyrics, it's, it's pretty amazing. Uh, sweet, so I like that a lot. Art. So that's that's what I that's what I've listened to. A lot. It has beautiful cover artwork. It's pretty. Yeah, that that cover fantastic. art is rad. Yeah, yeah. I like the the four seconds that I listened to, and then that's not. My oh, good. All right. Say, All right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I can get into anything. <laughs> well, my my answer for what I've been listening to while I while I work on on Rangers is is a lot more boring. Uh, so I cannot listen to lyrics and mm. work on. Uh, basically the only time I can listen to lyrics is if I'm just doing like something, a visual task, like laying out the book or something. It, when I'm doing that, I can, I can have lyrics, but otherwise I just can't it, like the, it just crosses wires in my brain mm-hmm. and I end up writing the lyrics into the rules text or whatever. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I, I most, I have a couple of different Spotify playlists that are um, entirely lyricless. Uh, so I think probably honestly, the most common thing I listen to is, very just kind of well 
I, I keep it really low, kind of almost just like white noise along with the headphones. Um, and it's just like, you know, you're, you're kind of, uh, typical lo-fi beats to game develop to kind of stuff, right? Like <laughs> to do homework too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah j- just kind of, uh, uh, that kind of very chill, like background, um, music, but sometimes, you know, I need to get a little hyped up and, you know, norm, a lot of the music that normally gets me hyped up has lyrics. So my kind of, I need a push, uh, playlist is almost entirely trailer music. Um, because trailer music is beautiful because it's all epic and none of it has <laughs> lyrics. And so things like Two Steps from Hell or Immediate Music, these other companies, basically, as soon as you listen to their music, you'll recognize it and you're not exactly sure from where. And it's yeah. because you've heard it in like every trailer, trailer from the last 20 years. Yeah. yeah. So you mean it has that trailers. They have that like deep bass thing that is like this rhythmic thing. Like, every trailer has that now. No, it goes think- silent and then... <laughs> overwhelms yeah. you yeah no it's it's usually just the music <laughs> itself so like the orchestral like dun 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 you know uh. that that kind of like super epic orchestral stuff you know and so i'll listen to that and like you know that'll keep my energy level up as i'm you know having to bang out whatever you should try uh, chariots nice. of fire do you know that one? Oh yeah no, I don't dun, that dun, 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 dun. yeah i, I didn't know if, if Fisher yeah, you'd know it. it if you heard it I just want to. Uh, I just want to yeah. um, correct. It says that the question. Oh yeah, of course. Que- we, we, okay. You guys were answering it uh, as uh, as if he asked what you listen to while developing. Developing, he's actually asking what what would you play while playing the game during development. Yeah. So. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, that, that's important distinction. Yeah, I'm curious what that would be. Well, I guess while you Go play ahead, the Andrew. game during development. Yeah, I guess I, I was thinking, uh, so I, I did also listen to Termin- Terminal Redux while I was playing the game. So that still, <laughs> that still I works. I guess. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I've been, um, I've been listening to a, a lot of like Spanish guitar music uh, when I, when I play. I think that that works pretty well. I've been mm. trying to put together a, a playlist that uh, captures the right feeling. Uh, but it's it's been it's been pretty difficult there's nothing quite right that i've found i'm sure it's out there somewhere but uh classical spanish guitar uh if you do a playlist like that on spotify you also get some cool modern stuff uh that's pretty great uh, that i've really been enjoying and also i've also awesome. listened to this uh this album called northern passage by marin Karras which is like an atmospheric kind of, uh, I don't know, dirgy maybe. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. very mysterious sounding. It's just a lot that of sounds... like long drawn out synth sounds. And it's kind of neat. Mm. You have to listen to it on headphones for it to sound right. It's not quite right. And listen to it in the room. Mm. Yeah, we should we should think about this. You know, maybe if we, if we can collect some tracks that we, we think get close to kind of capturing that, in-game feel we could like make a spotify playlist on the earthborn account spotify yeah. account yeah <laughs> totally uh yeah as far and as far as like metal band or album that would go well with earth rangers that one's hard too i think i've been thinking that uh i i've i've tried to use like metal instrumentals uh on that playlist and those have worked all right so like orion by metallica is one of my favorite uh metal instrumentals and also Train of Thought by Dream Theater. I think that was really good. And then some of the uh, Liquid Tension Experiment stuff, I think, 
could potentially work too. Anything that's that's instrumental, I think. But anything with lyrics is it's pretty tough. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Another evocative question. Um got lots of questions tonight. Uh yeah. Well we got to make up for sure. Evan not being here, you know. Yeah, yep. Yeah. yeah. We, we gotta fill some time. That's right. right. Andrew. Andrew via email asks, I've recently been reading through an RPG book I received via Kickstarter, Coyote and Crow. It's a pretty different setting from Earthborn Rangers, but it also seems to have a similar feeling to it. Are any of you familiar with this RPG? As you expand your games lineup in the future, is a collaboration with an existing IP like this something that could be in the cards? In the cards and quotes there. So. In the cards. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I, yeah. I didn't in the cards. emphasize that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry uh, yeah, so I botched I, your I, joke, I, Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I'm familiar with this game. Uh, this was out on Kickstarter last spring, uh, and I thought it looked pretty cool. Um, and from what I read about it, and then I was reading some of the uh, comments from the creator during the Kickstarter uh there it does it did resonate with me as being uh similar thematically to some of the stuff we're doing at earthborn and with earthborn rangers though obviously from a very different perspective uh but i felt a somewhat of a kinship uh with the creator when i was reading uh reading some of his responses to people's questions uh seemed like seemed like a very thoughtful dude uh and i, I thought it seemed really cool so i think it just came out mm. like clearly um, just this past month, I think maybe people finally got it. Mm. Um, I don't know, Fisher, are you familiar with it at all? Yeah, I, I saw it, um, when it was kickstarting, uh, I, I didn't back it myself, so I don't have a copy, but I, I agree. I, I kind of, I see a lot of uh, kind of the same themes and ideas. You're right. Like, you know, we're coming at it from a very different perspective than they are, but, um, especially like, in their kind of, you know, they kind of have that same apocalypse, uh, soft apocalypse and recovery kind of cycle to it. Um, but I, I, the game looks very cool. For people who haven't seen it, you should check it out. It's kind of this um, alternate history look, if like focused on um, like if, if North America wasn't colonized and like, you know, Native Americans and the First Nation was able to, you know, like, progress their own technology into the future is, is very cool yeah it was really neat um yeah as far as uh other ips that'd be cool that'd be cool <laughs> i'd be down for that uh <laughs> we have a lot we have a lot planned for earthborn um but if we ever explode in growth where we could have multiple things happening at once i think uh, exploring Existing IPs uh, could be interesting. It just had to be the right one, um, mm -hmm. something that fits the mission and uh, both thematically and uh, environmentally speaking. And I think right. when I've you know coming from a background where I've worked on a lot of licensed games, uh, you know the the usual suspects don't necessarily uh, fit the bill. <laughs> Not going to be doing a Batman game, probably. I don't think so. <laughs> Unfortunately. Think so. Almost definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Great question. Yeah, that game looks pretty sweet. I love the concept. Um, All right. We got another one from Matt via Discord. Can you speak to Earthborn Games sustainability as an employer? 
I'm seeing great things on the outside looking in. Fisher is taking vacations to Colorado. Employees have their birthday <laughs> off. Evan is taking paternity leave. And everyone seems pretty happy and lively on the podcast. This looks like the sort of work environment that retains employees. And it's one that I am very happy to support. Interesting. Well, that's very sweet, Matt. Uh, I don't know. I, do you, I feel like uh, you should respond to this one, Fisher. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, first of all, Matt, if, if, if you are currently an employer that doesn't let you go to Colorado to your brother's wedding or uh, take paternity leave, uh, you might want to find a different employer. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, like uh, one of... Uh, like one of our focuses has been kind of making sure that we fit in earthborn games with our lives. Right. Um, and it's one of the benefits of being a smaller team. You know, we are working remotely. Uh, we are all in the same city, but you know, we're, we're all working from home. And so we kind of have that extra flexibility that lets us kind of, uh, you know, let our lives kind of take shape along with our work. And, you know, like there's, there's a nice push and pull that you might not get at a traditional, like kind of nine to five. Um, but it has been like a, a focus, you know, I think a, um, my, my partner, Sam is, uh, actually just got on a plane a few hours ago to go to her dig site in Tanzania where she's, she's an archeologist and she's going to be working there for the next couple months. And, um, uh, I'm probably going to go visit her and v- visit her site while she's out there and, you know, like talking to Andrew about it, um, given that like we're, you know, looking to, li- to deliver this game and have all sorts of other things. Um, I-, I forget exactly how you phrased it, Andrew, but, you know, you were like, you know, like you should make sure you're living your life, right? Yeah. Let's and live like, our lives, I think is what I said. <laughs> and And so like... Uh, so, so I, I can say that like sustainability as an employer, I, I think is, is, is very good, right? We, it's one of the beauties of building a team of people, you know, you can trust is that like, you know, we know that we can trust each other to get the work done and be dedicated and focused on making sure that, you know, uh, all of the work, you know, all the deadlines we need to hit for other people or for, you know, our partners or for, for you all, we hit them and we work in our lives into that. And so like, and as long as you are hiring and working with people, you know, you can trust, you can enable them to have that kind of flexibility. And so, so yeah, I, I think it's been a great place to work and I really appreciate like, the kind of focus we've had on making sure we have that balance in our lives. Yeah. 100%. Sweet. 100%. Yeah. I, I can't take credit for the uh, birthday <laughs> off of work. That was, that's something I took from my time at chip theory because that's what they did. And I thought that sounded awesome. So I wanted to make sure to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hell yeah. But, uh, but yeah, you said it, you said it perfectly Fisher. Perfectly. <laughs> I have nothing more to add. <laughs> all right <laughs> and matt from youtube has a suggestion since earthborn sounds heavily influenced by the colorado rockies baseball team i read it as baseball team <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I was like what well, capitalize that uh why not do go <laughs> yeah why not do 
top five of your favorite baseball teams. Wouldn't that be funny? No, yeah. top five uh, <laughs> most influential places on earth. Interesting. I th- yeah, I thought that was a kind of a cool idea. Uh, yeah. I don't know what you guys do. That, that's, there's been one suggestion, yeah, right now. and that's the only one. So it's, at the, uh, it's in the lead. Yeah, do our top five most influential <laughs> I, I places I, right now? Just, oh, just. I, I, I saw, I, I saw a, a recommendation on on Discord of our top five uh, favorite snacks. So we we had two total suggestions. <laughs> favorite but I, snacks. <laughs> now that one, well, I, I, I'd well, have an I easier have, time well, with I've, that one. I have strong <laughs> opinions about snacks. I do think favorite place, influential places. Uh, to Matt's point, might be a. Uh, uh, more on spirit with the inspiration of Rangers, right? <laughs> what if it was just a, what if it just a quick thing? It was just a quick. We just maybe not a quick top. Talk about a quick top five. I, I think it's hard because you know there's stories yeah. behind everything. That's what I right. I, yeah. The thing I enjoyed about that segment the most was hearing all your guys' stories about why you picked what you picked. If you're right. talking about places, then you know there's going to be cool stories about that. I could go on for so, hours. Yeah, I don't about have to think about that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Why are Funyuns so influential to you, Anders? I was seven years old. My father brought me to the Red well, Owl. We'll, we'll do our favorite places alongside Anders doing his favorite snacks. Yeah. And so, you know, we'll get done with this, like, story about why the Boundary Waters is so, you know, personal and integral to my life and my childhood. And then mm-hmm. Anders will be like, here is my uh, thesis on why Takis are the best crunchy uh-huh. snack. <laughs> I've actually never left my hometown. I've never left the border, the city limits of my hometown. And I've, I've lived my life through the snack foods that I've uh, <laughs> you look at the package see where it's made and then you, know, yeah. you have a little piece of that that place and I, in I, you forever yep close my eyes and i just imagine what it's like in boise idaho yeah <laughs> um <laughs> I, I love both of those um yeah that's a great suggestion i think but I, yeah, we'll uh we'll, we'll talk about it. about it off the air yeah we like the suggestions. This is a collaborative effort. Um, so that's all the questions that we have this week. That was probably our longest question question chunk. Uh, clocking in at 42 minutes. Let's see. What, what do we got? We got some work stories. We only got two guys. Fisher, what, what, uh, what you got to say? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> on work lately, um, I've been... Uh, it's been a lot of like random tasks. The closer you get to the um, uh, kind of the end of a product, the more you're kind of jumping around, crossing T's, dotting I's, et cetera, right? So there's a lot of kind of uh, jumping around, fixing things here and there. But my, as I mentioned earlier, my main push has been uh, this additional playthrough um, that I've been doing along with kind of editing the campaign guide as I go, trying to work in one of the one of the big factors uh, that I still don't think I'm quite there yet with is like trying to build in hints um, to make sure that the valley kind of feels alive and is like hinting at all the different things you can do elsewhere in the valley as you're going around. It's kind of hard because we have these short little bricks of text and they've got to convey a lot of information, all of our world building, all of the like feel and flavor, and then try- so trying to like jam hints in there has been a little challenging. Um, along with that, I'm doing some like restructuring and stuff, but so I'm kind of doing this like playthrough slash editing pass on a lot of our campaign material that Sam wrote. Uh, it's been, it's actually been really fun. Like it's, there's, 
so much of game development, you're not actually like playing, playing your game. You know, you might be stress testing it or whatever else, but like I'm kind of just playing through and then doing this editing alongside of it. And I've, there's so many spots I stop and like, you know, I'm just sitting here alone at my desk and I'm just chuckling to myself (laughs) and like, you know, like something ridiculous happened. And I'm like, do I bother the discord or, uh, uh, our internal staff discord? I'm like, do I bother the discord with a stupid story or not? And, um, it's, it's one thing, like, I don't play many, I play obviously a lot of solo video games, but I don't play that many solo board games. Uh, I played, like, Seventh Continent solo. I did some soloing of the Arkham Horror LCG. Uh, a little bit of Lord of the Rings, but I actually got a buddy to play that with me. But So I, I've, I've done a little soloing, but not, like, a huge amount. And so when you have that feeling of, like, that really fun moment where, you know, if you were around a table with friends, you'd all be laughing... Um, I think some solo players are very good at just kind of internalizing that joy and being like happy with that moment they had for themselves. But I think because I have this habit of playing with other people, I like want to bounce that moment off of somebody. I I have, (laughs) I like, I can't just like sit with it. Right. And so, um, in that way, I kind of almost have been clashing with solo gaming a little. It's, you know, I have these stories and I just want somebody to share the, share them with. I even thought about sharing one of them on the podcast, but uh, I decided that both of them I would l- rather leave you to discover. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, one, one of them was a pretty big coincidence, but it, it involves sharing stuff that maybe I should just leave for you to find out when you uh, <laughs> find yeah. the game. Uh that's great. I'm curious as to but, why I'm curious why um, playing a video game solo doesn't have that same effect on you. You know, like, I'm not what, sure. what's the difference? I, I I was thinking maybe it's because in a game like this, there's a lot there's a lot more opportunity for kind of random chance things to happen. Um, do you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. Well, I think part of it too is I I often get that kind of social experience out of video games just because I'll often play at the same time as my friends. Mm-hmm. And so we'll get to chat and talk about those experiences, right? So I'll have this wild story and be able to share it and bounce it off and hear my friends kind of similar experiences and kind of compare them. Mm-hmm. Um, here, uh, you know, I can chat with some of the testers, but we've we've wound down most of our external testing, so I'm not talking to as many of them. And I can talk to Andrew, I can talk to some of our other internal people, but like that's all that, that that's everybody who's played the game total right so mm-hmm. <laughs> i i just don't have as many people to kind of bounce these moments off of who i'm not kind of spoiling things for uh so i think that that is part of it i i got a little bit of that catharsis i think when like all of our external testers were playing it and they ran into all these moments it was always really fun when you know somebody comes to the discord with some zany story from from their play test and so i think i i fulfilled a little bit of that there but it's been harder just playing by myself here mm-hmm. it's an interesting uh topic for me because we we uh you know we do a lot of things alone in life right and i think the in- inspiration for the game andrew was you know going on these hikes right in the, the rockies mm-hmm. and we do that alone often and we enjoy it i don't know i've been thinking about this separate from this as well you know can we can we enjoy things without bouncing it off of other people I think it's yes. easier for I, some I, I, people than others. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we can. And and like to your point, we're designing the game to be very soloable. So mm-hmm. I, I think I think some of it just comes down to different personalities, right? Like I think at the stop of the show, right, Andrew mentioned that he starts the show by like, you know, centering himself and like yeah. connecting with the world. And I was like, I had an enchilada scotch and did some jumping jacks. <laughs> so like <laughs> Couldn't be so I think, any more different, yeah. <laughs> so I think there, there, there's like a difference in personality and how we're approaching, you know, these these kind of uh, contemplative solo experiences. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, probably. Some of it is, is me having to become more comfortable with them. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> All right, continue. Anyway, the, 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 the other thing on my work stories is uh, the rulebook stuff. Andrew took a look uh, through the rulebook. Um and we're going to be doing some revisions, and then I I hope to, speaking of testing, do a couple blind tests here coming up, which, um, so for blind testing, usually means not just sending it out to experienced game players who are going to kind of stress test the systems and see if they're fun, but a blind test is usually a lot more like um, what some people might understand as a focus group, where I basically take all the printed materials, give them to people in a facsimile of what they might get when they open the box, and then just watch them without saying anything. Uh, and just kind of seeing what the experience is of them receiving this physical item with no guidance at all. Uh, and so I'm hoping that once we get these rulebook revisions in, I'll be able to do some of those. So hopefully next, next podcast I'll have uh, something to report on the blind testing front. Nice. You have your group picked out? Um, so I, I have a group of friends who do want to, uh, test it. They've been asking me to test it. Uh, and so I, I felt like a blind test would be good, but I also want to get a group of non friends to do it. Um, and I don't have a, a group for that. Um, if they were my friends, would they count as non friends for you? If, if they they were your friends (laughs) and I was running it, that might be okay. I find that like, friends don't make great testers because they're too emotionally invested in your feelings. Right. E- even if like, you know, I have some brutally honest friends, right? As like, do I, I was going to say like, as soon as you said that, I was like, <laughs> eh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. But at the same time, like I think their knowledge of you changes the kind of feedback they give. And so I think it's important to get feedback from people who just don't know you that well. Um, yeah. For that, I was considering trying to reach out through some of, uh, our connections of the cities of people we know at other game companies and seeing if I can get some, some people through that who might play it mm. with a bit more of a disconnected view. Mm-hmm. Meet up, meet up at a coffee shop or a brewery and, uh, play through the prologue or something and see how they do with it. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Awesome. Okay. Andrew work story. Go. Yeah, so uh, like Fisher mentioned, I finally finished the review of the rulebook. Uh, that uh, <laughs> it was, it, it was took me a long time because uh, I was, I was just had little bits of time chunks to as I was working on other things, and I can only read and edit so much before I have to stop and do something else. Mm-hmm. But I finally finished it, delivered it to Fisher, um, so that felt good. Uh, I think it's, I think it's pretty good. I think it's pretty good. <laughs> I don't think there's a whole lot more to do. Um, 
I finally finished the flavor text for the cards. That was exciting. I finished that uh, last week. Uh, that took a long time too, but they're, uh, I think uh, I'm pretty pretty happy with how that turned out. Um, as I mentioned, I've been trying to write that flavor text um, in a way that is unlike what most flavor text is like on card games. Um, can, can you tell me what flavor text is again? Flavor text is uh, is essentially fiction that appears on the card. Uh, that is, ah. there's no rules associated with it. It's just text to help help explain what the card's about, to help describe the emotion behind it, uh, maybe give some context to the art or some additional context to the mechanics. Mm-hmm. Uh, just help, help kind of spark, additional writing. spark your imagination. Right, 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 it's right. Yeah. Extra ways to get you immersed and to kind of get your mind going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I, uh, so I wrote this, a lot of it's written in the second person. So it's describing what you as the, as the ranger, what you might be feeling or something about your backstory. Uh, there's a lot of that. There's a lot that describes the emotion behind certain things like the personality cards, uh, that are trying to evoke, like uh, I'm trying to use lyrical, like poetic language to evoke feelings. Mm-hmm. There's also some fun uh, little descriptions of the of the gear where it describes like what you might do to activate it, and then the sounds it makes, or maybe there's a weird smell or mm. something that you know helps bring it to life in a way that uh, just the art couldn't do. So trying to fill in blanks that the mechanics and the and the art don't provide. Mm-hmm. Um, so that cool. was really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got the draft of the lore book writing in. Uh, last week and um now i'll be moving on to starting to review that um and we'll have that done by the end of this week that's pretty exciting it's another 47 pages of writing to look over uh but i'm pretty pumped uh and then um since evan's not here i'll mention the, the art is in the home stretch there's only a handful of pieces left uh so that's that's pretty exciting uh to almost be completely done with all the art for this game right. is a wild place to be <laughs> given where we started and the amount of art we had to do. Oh, I can't wait to see it all. I, yeah, I finished my, I finished, I think I'm close to finishing the four pieces that I've done for this, for the game. Yeah. Finally. Well, the, I saw the web wall, uh, Evan sent that to me today. I thought it looked pretty awesome. Pretty um, awesome. You know, okay. Yeah. That, that was a tough one. Yeah. The web, yeah. Yeah. I, was... I think you did a good job with it. Okay. It cool. looks like webbing. It looks That's like good. something you get stuck in. So well, I did four things. I did a spider, a bat, some uh, some clover, and a web wall. And I, I yeah. thought when I saw those four things that the web would be the easiest one. And it's hard. <laughs> the, the simpler the, the simpler the thing, like you know, to make it cool is is a bit harder. So it's a it's a yeah. wild looking wall. Yeah, I think I trying to yeah trying to do a interesting composition for a wall of webs is tough. Yeah. And I I think you did a great job with it. Cool. Uh-huh. I got a lot of help from Evan on that one. Actually, he he led me down the right path. Nice. Um, sweet. Do you want to just roll yeah. right into your North American? Is that are we going with that? Yeah, the North American okay. manufacturing update. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get I'll excited, roll, everybody. I'll roll, get ready. <laughs> uh, I'll roll right into that. So yeah, there were some questions uh, on the on the Discord about uh, updates on North American manufacturing. 
Uh, so I thought I'd spend a little time talking about talking about that. I don't know if we've really yeah. talked about it very much on this podcast. I know I've talked about it. Uh, I talked about it a bit on the uh, appearance I did on the Team Covenant live stream, but I'll talk about it again here. So, as our backers will be aware, you know. North American manufacturing was our one unlocked stretch goal. Well, regional manufacturing, and we unlocked it for North America. And the idea behind that is that we will we will print the game close to the people who will be you know received close to the customers. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that's a really important part about the mission for what we're trying to do and trying to be more sustainable, thoughtful, and not put the economy of scale you get by printing everything at China uh, and just trying to make a bunch of money ahead of the environmental benefits of printing locally. So I think that's incredibly important. Um, And when we went into the Kickstarter, we had a quote from a domestic manufacturer that I felt pretty good about. Uh, So I felt really confident in our ability to to do that. Uh, But since the Kickstarter... (laughs) It's been a lot more challenging, unfortunately. Uh, mm-hmm. So that initial um, manufacturer that we had gotten that quote from, uh, in trying to work with them in the months since, and we talked about this in some of our first episodes, uh, we had, it was really difficult to get in touch with them. And then our sales rep uh, ended up leaving the company without letting us know. And then I you know, finally got back in touch with them. And... Uh, from that point forward, the quotes that they gave us weren't one, they weren't as good. And two, they weren't actually able to hit the uh, other environmental goals we have as that uh, we want to source responsibly. So that means uh, FSC certified paper to make sure that the, the forests that we're pulling from are being reforested, that it's being done thoughtfully and we're not just, you know, clear cutting to get paper. Uh, and it's, their supplier for that apparently and i don't know all the details because i'm hearing some of this you know secondhand through the consulting company that i'm working with but um the fsc source that they were working with were essentially moving <laughs> moving their paper mill somewhere else and they weren't gonna be able to get fsc paper anymore so uh so they were no longer an option um and uh, we also tried to get quotes from Cardamundi, which is the like the biggest uh, card manufacturer in the world. Uh, that seemed like that might go somewhere at the, at the beginning. But uh, again, we had a change in sales reps. And since then, uh, we haven't really gotten anywhere. And I think, I think we're going to, I don't think we're going to continue to try to reach out to them Um just because they work at such massive scales and with such huge companies that I've the impression that I got based on our communication from them is that we're the, the job just isn't big enough really to rate for them. Um, unfortunately, and given how they're, uh, I guess they're, they're currently trying to focus on, making their different factories around the world focused on certain types of games. I don't even know if they'd do our game in North America based on what they're manufacturing in North America. The impression I got was that it was probably going to be in Belgium if it was going to be with Carta Monday, um, which obviously doesn't, doesn't fulfill the mission either. 
We also tried reaching out to um, some non-game printers uh, who are uh, who are green printers, work with FSC paper, who do things like marketing brochures and other more you know kind of simpler kind of mailer things. Trying to see if we could maybe entice them into taking on something more ambitious. Uh, but all of those conversations ultimately ended up, you know, I worked with a, a group of students at the University of Illinois who contacted, I want to say 70 plus printers on our behalf. Uh, we heard, ended up hearing back from maybe five of them. And then one by one, those, those printers just kind of fell off as, uh, we were explaining to them the, you know, the complexity of the, of the job and they just uh, either weren't interested or if it was just too outside of what they were normally did. Uh, it's a big investment to do something like this. So you got to really want to do it. So where that's left us is that we have, uh, I think it's, there's still have a couple options left. Uh, there's a, another manufacturer that I think is in Vegas, <laughs> hmm. or, or at least the meeting happened in Vegas, uh, that um, might be able to do it, but uh, the timetable is potentially a challenge. Uh, and that's because of the FSC paper. So if we didn't want to do FSC and we just want to do like standard paper, uh, I think it would be maybe a little bit easier to get the job done in the U.S. But the combination of U.S. manufacturer and FSC paper uh, makes it more difficult. So um, recently made the decision. I was on a uh, I was a guest on a podcast. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, called the Booster Pack, which was a it was a really delightful uh, podcast to be on. The host is named Rands. Uh, he was really cool and and uh, was very. He was probably the most hosty host I've ever I've ever uh, had been on a podcast with, and that was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> no super high energy, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Super, <laughs> super high energy, like it was it was a lot. Like it's definitely not the uh-huh. vibe of our podcast. Uh-huh. Uh, it was more like an entertainer, but like very very sharp, very quick. Uh, lots of words in a short period of time. Very energized. Mm-hmm. And I wonder uh, what his pre-show ritual is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's sure a lot ain't. of coffee, maybe a lot of coffee. monster energy drink. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. um, <laughs> but uh, but it was really great. And um, in talking to him about this same subject, uh, you know, he's also a backer, and you know, he, he expressed to me, I think, something that has also been repeated in the Discord as well is that you know the regional manufacturing is a is a big was a big draw to people and it was really important to a lot of people and where i start i was starting to feel you know disheartened and you know I was pretty ready to just kind of throw in the towel on it um but uh after talking to him i really felt like re-energized about it and um it was like mm. the a couple days after that there was discussion on the discord about it uh, and, uh, you know, Fisher, you jumped in and, and kind of gave a little short little update there. Um, but it was really great to hear that people really cared about it as much as I cared about it and helped mm-hmm. give me the push to, that's, that's so cool. to not give up. Um, so we're not giving up. Um, it just might take a little while. Um, so like I said, we have a, we have a potential manufacturer that we could go with and i have an idea for how we might make it work at a different factory uh that'll be talking with the uh uh, consulting firm i'm working with on friday 
to see if we can maybe get that idea to work. Um, the, I'm being vague because I, I don't want to get anyone's hopes up, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, uh, we're going to try to get as creative with it as possible. And, and, you know, it'll take some additional time for it to happen. Uh, but we're going to make it, we're going to try to, to do it, it until it becomes financially, uh, impossible to do it. So I think that's ultimately our, we do have a deadline where we will have to print it because we don't have infinite resources and Mm -hmm. we want to make a game and sell it because it is the foundation of our company so that we can do more games and sell more games and you guys can enjoy our games. Mm -hmm. You know, not only this one, but all the games that we make now and in, and then to forever. So I don't want to cut us off at the knees at the beginning. Um, in pursuit of this goal, if it becomes financially untenable to do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're not there yet. So um, I will have an update hopefully soon that will have actual dates that we can talk about, you know, when we can expect to manufacture the game, mm-hmm. where, how, when everyone around the world can expect to get their copies. Um, as we've talked about in previous episodes, we do have a European partner lined up who is going to do a European print run. So, you know, we did not unlock that during the Kickstarter, but we've had enough interest from foreign partners where that has made up that difference by a long shot. So, and there are lots of uh, people who bought the English edition in, um, in Europe. So we're going to do a, uh, we're definitely going to do a production there. Uh, and we're going to continue to try to do a production in North America. And we're going to try to do that for as long as we can until we can't. <laughs> and if mm-hmm. we can't, then we'll pull our parachute and we'll just print everything in Germany and we'll try again next time. But that is the last resort. And I just want everyone to know that um, we're doing everything we can to try to make this work. And we're going to keep at it as long as we can keep at it. So I uh, appreciate everyone's support and uh, push to uh, uh, to continue this pursuit of the vision of the product because uh, you know, it means a lot to me that you care because it mm-hmm. makes me care even more uh, and helps helps me in my darkest moments when I'm ready to wave the white flag. So right. uh, I really appreciate it, everyone out there. Mm-hmm. So that's it. That's the North American manufacturing update. Fantastic. Fisher. And I, I think it's, uh, if I may add one thing, I do think it's important to note that if we do have to, in the end, pull that parachute and print in Europe, that Atlantic freight, well, it is still freight and is still impactful, is not nearly as impactful as Pacific freight is. So, like, well, it will be pulling the parachute at the end of it. Like, we are not, like, it's not like we're going and printing the whole thing in China. Right. We are still right. just we're, we're trying to do the best that we can yeah. if we have to go to that option. Yeah. Yeah. But we're not there yet. But we'll uh, yeah, just we 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 do want to pursue the vision, but we also have yep. to, uh, you know, realize that we, <laughs> there's money is not infinite unless you guys want to, you know, continue to give us money forever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it sounds very fair to you. <laughs> uh. <laughs> set up a patreon account <laughs> <laughs> help us continue the search yeah. <laughs> help, us, 
<laughs> pay us while we wait for a North American manufacturer. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. That's a, that's a good update. Thank you, Andrew. And that brings us to the stuff we're into. Where uh, this this week, these past couple of weeks, I've been consuming much more uh, media than I have in the the previous episodes. Um, I kind of went from absorbing nothing to now I, I don't have enough time to to watch and play <laughs> all the things that I'm read, all the things that I'm into. Um, and I've, I'm actually playing something that's new for a change instead of, you know, Breath of the Wild and whatnot. I'm, I'm playing this video game called Neon White. It's kind of a, it's kind of a, a buzzy game right now, trending game. It's uh, from the creators of Donut County. I don't know if you ever saw that game where you play, oh, as, yeah. Yeah. play as a whole. Yeah, yeah. It's kind. Of, it's nothing like that. It's nothing like that. Um, yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> that that is not the game that I was gonna guess based on these screenshots. <laughs> right. No. So it's uh, it's a first person uh, shooter platformer speed running dating sim. It's getting a lot of. Uh, <laughs> It's getting a lot of attention for kind of mashing Mara. up all these genres. That's my bread and butter right there. Um, no, it mashes up all these genres and somehow it, it works. Um, the, okay. the real like core of the game is these short little um, platforming, first-person platforming uh, speed runs where you're trying to, to get, you know, a, uh, the fastest time and you're zooming through these levels and you feel like this badass ninja and you collect these cards. Um, it's not at all like a card building game. There's no reason for it to be a card other than it, you know, it's a nice little icon you see there. So you get, you get a card and it has uh, like a gun ability, but it also has a discard ability. So you, you can use it to find the fastest path through this level and you have to kill these demons as you run through and and the discard ability might be to double jump or to to thrust forward or to shoot a bomb, um, but it's really really fun. Like the gameplay there is really fun, but then there's this whole kind of anime. I think they're kind of going for like a Hades vibe, where there's a story running throughout, and you've got the little illustrations of the different characters. There's like mm. a heaven and hell angel. I really hate the anime stuff. Um, it's like fully voiced with these anime voice actors and the dialogue is just really cringy. I'm <laughs> kind of at the point where I'm think I'm going to skip it for the rest of the time. Cause it's kind of turning me off to the whole experience. Um, I'm not a big anime fan. Anyway, that's a cool game. I highly recommend it other than the anime stuff. Um, <laughs> it's got, Sounds it's cool. got the anime stuff does seem like a slightly critical component here. <laughs> if you like it, if you like that kind of thing, you'll like it, I think, but um, I don't. All right, it's, cool. I, think it's one I, I feel the, like checking that out. Yeah, it's one of the. I think it's one of the the best reviewed games of the year so far. It's got overwhelmingly positive reviews on Steam, right. and so I've been playing that. I've been finally watching Stranger Things, which I like. Fine, it's pretty good. Um, Resident Evil Four, I'm loving that. I've gotten used to the controls. Nice. Such a campy, fun, like quick time event game. You know. Uh, I don't think I've ever I haven't played a game like that in a while and it's just really uh scratching an itch right now. Awesome. For sure we're going to say something. 
how 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 far along are you right now? I think I'm in like the middle of chapter two. I just fought this giant uh, ogre guy. Uh, okay, where the dog yeah. you you save the dog from the trap early on, and then it comes back to help mm-hmm. you in that fight. And then uh, I'm reading. I don't have to say all these things, but I'm reading No Country for Old Men for the first time. I think that's an amazing mm. book. And uh, the best thing that I've been absorbing is this show Severance. Have you guys watched Severance on Apple TV? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So good. So good. Andrew? No. Fisher's talked about it, though. Sounds okay. interesting. It's great. It's I don't have Apple TV, though. All the way. Get a free trial. or It's worth it for a month. Yeah, an, I have a backlog. Yeah, thing. Yeah. Supposed to, my my cousin wants me to watch the uh, uh, the new uh, Umbrella Academy, which is supposed mm. to be really good. So I promise. I haven't, her I haven't I checked out that, that show. It's cool. I liked the first two seasons <laughs> quite a bit. Mm. It's good too. Severance is Severance is uh, it's a slow burner, which I I love. Nice. It's really really weird. It's got like a being John Malkovich kind of vibe a little bit. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I see that. I like that. Little lost. A little lost. Yeah, it's weird like that quirky humor and then like lost, yeah, where it just kind of weird stuff is happening and you never I don't know what's going on yet. Do you know what's going on by the end of the first season? Mm, partially. Partially, okay. <laughs> not everything. Not not okay. nearly everything. Okay. But you you get some cool answers. I will say that like the finale is satisfying, oh, even yeah. if you don't get all your answers. Mm. I only have four episodes left, and I'm sad that it's almost over. <laughs> all right, Fisher, what are you into? Yeah, well, um, as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to be going and visiting Sam in Tanzania. Um, and when I do that, I'm going to be climbing Kilimanjaro. Um, I, I made the decision... Um, for a while, I was kind of debating whether I was just going to like see the Serengeti while I was out there. Um, but I'm I'm decently into climbing mountains. Um, I've climbed some 14ers out in Colorado, um, and Kilimanjaro is actually like you go pretty high. Um, it's like the highest freestanding mountain, but it's still just a very dramatic hike. Right? It's non-technical. Um, you're going high altitude, but you're not like dealing with ice crevasses or anything like that. So it seemed pretty attainable and stuff. And like, um, I think my dad, both my dad and Sam made the point that, um, you know, uh, Sam and I want to have kids. So if I ever get this opportunity again, like it'll be even more challenging because, you know, I may be (laughs) juggling a kid at the same time. Right. Right now I can just go up a mountain for six days and it's fine. Mm. So, um, so I'm going to be climbing Kilimanjaro. And so, um, are you going to keep a journal and are you going to keep a journal and see if you hallucinate because of the elevation changing something oh (laughs) i feel like i should i so sam's dad climbed kilimanjaro in the 70s and he sent me he typed up his whole handwritten journal long ago and he sent me this transcript of his journal and his hallucinations uh and uh so i was reading that and i was like well now i feel like i need to keep some kind of diary i might do like a video diary um, I don't really have like a YouTube channel or anything, but like I might like record myself uh, as I go up up the mountain. Well, we have kids. a YouTube yeah. channel. We could maybe like edit <laughs> oh, it, yeah, <laughs> and put it Post on the, the YouTube channel. F- Fisher on Kilimanjaro. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I could bring a what 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 Earthborn card would be the most appropriate to bring to the summit of Kilimanjaro? Mm. <laughs> uh, iron wool boots. 
I almost said comfy boots. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, comfy boots was Iron Wool Boots' development name. Uh, uh, I could bring a spider line stanchion because I I wished I would wish I'd had one at that point. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds great. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to be doing that, and so as part of that, um, I've kind of ramped up the to to Andrew's previous comment about working out. I've been ramping up my working out. I usually like to a light bit of working out over lunch, but I've been doing. Um, more of it and so i haven't had as much time for video games or tv or anything um because like uh, well you know I'm, I'm not like working out a ton a ton but like enough that you know you don't get that much free time in a day and so like no. it kind of chews it up uh and um so but i do listen to audiobooks while i um i work out so i've been making a lot more progress on audiobooks uh, over the last couple weeks um to my my previous comments about uh brandon sanderson and uh uh, the Stormlight Archive. I've been listening to the kind of rest of the the books in the Cosmere Sanderson setting, um, and uh, I just wrapped up the Mistborn trilogy, the 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 first trilogy. There's like two kind of in that in that part of the Cosmere, um, and I, I've been I've been really enjoying them. They make Sanderson's writing makes for pretty good. I forget if I've talked about this on the podcast already, but Sanderson's so. writing makes for pretty good uh, listening. He mm-hmm. writes in this very kind of like um, cinematic, uh, just kind of like popcorny style that is is very you know. And the narrators he picks out uh, for audiobook he uses like um, Kate Redding and Michael Kramer, I think their names are. And they like all the Casimir books use these two um, narrators, and they're they're both very good. And so they they're very easy listening. And uh, so I've been really enjoying that while I fill my backpack with books and trek up a hill (laughs) (laughs) that's how you're training well that's so yeah like you got to do a lot of squats and stuff and doing squats in your basement is boring so i um i uh, i normally most of my gear is ultralight so like it's actually pretty chill but like i load so that's why i throw books and stuff into my backpack just to like get a really heavy pack and then the, the problem I've been having is that there's actually just not that many hills in the Twin Cities. Um, right. Like, t- there's there's a lot of cool paths along the river and stuff, but, like, I just want to go up and down a bunch. And so, like, and for my work, for working out, I'm looking for something that I can, like, drive to after work, you know? So it's already, like, the sun doesn't go down to, like, 9, but it's, like, you know, 6 p.m. I need to drive somewhere and get a hike in before the sun goes down and the mosquitoes mm. come out. Where so, do you live? I don't actually have that much time. You in St. Paul? Uh, Midway. Midway? Yeah, oh. right dead, dead center of the city. I was going to say, uh, the riverbanks are a great a lot of hills there over by the Mississippi. Yeah, River. that's true. But I was, I was having trouble just finding like a place where I could get some variety. Obviously, I could go get some mm. stairs and run up and down them. But like, I was kind of looking for like, like down in Lebanon Hills is south of the Twin Cities. And mm. that has a like, to its name, it has hills. But yeah. that's like too far of a drive for me to actually make it after work. Yeah, I was going to suggest like Willow River State Park, uh, but it's like 20 minutes from you, 30 minutes away. It's probably no, that's far. that's I could. Oh, you say you live if in. I left at six and you live in Midway, right? Yeah. You could go to Menards and go up those giant uh, <laughs> escalators. <laughs> <laughs> just just do it in, inside Menards. Yeah. Just to... <laughs> I went there for the first time yeah. in a while and those escalators are gigantic. 
<laughs> you go up the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah, cool. exactly. And just like be treadmilling it and yeah. wave to people. <laughs> you got that piano player on top. Menard's such a weird Yeah, place. yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Um, but yeah, you, you said Willow State Park? Willow Andrew? River. Yeah, it's uh, Willow just, River? Okay. Yeah, it's just across the border uh, into Wisconsin, right over the St. Croix. And there's there are some really good hill. There's a really good hill there that you could just go up and down that thing. It's pretty. It, it get pretty <laughs> intense at the end. Yeah, maybe I'll check it out this weekend yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. I, I tried. I tried something the other night and left. Like like I said, I left at like six thirty or something. And I got there and I was feeling great. And then I got into the woods and just got eaten alive by mosquitoes. Yeah. Like it was. I was sitting here applying hydrocortisone cream like the whole next day because I was just <laughs> covered in mosquito bites. So, oh. yeah. It's another point for Menards. <laughs> <laughs> if, uh, if you listeners have any recommendations for hills in the middle of the Twin Cities, leave them in the comments below. Yeah, from all our, our, our listeners who we determined are, are in Australia and Switzerland. And <laughs> right. If they can find They're you a like, hill... That's even yeah. cooler. Okay. Find Andrew a hill. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, that's it for me. Okay. Andrew, looks like you've done some, some yeah. movement as well. I did, yeah. So last week, my family and I went uh, east to the mountains instead of west to the mountains for our hiking vacation this year. So that was really cool. I have not been mm. out east in a very long time. And, uh, I didn't really, I think have a solid recollection of what the terrain out there was actually like, but there's a lot of mountains out there, uh, which is really cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we ended up going to, uh, North Carolina, uh, just outside of Asheville, North Carolina, never been there before. Mm. Uh, we've heard that it was an area that we'd, we'd really like, and we did actually like it, which is, uh, not usually the case when people tell my wife and I that we'll like something usually, um, right. we don't, um, but we really enjoyed it. <laughs> uh, cool. it was, uh, it was fabulous out there. It was, uh, just the, even the drive from Charlotte to Asheville, uh, was beautiful. Um, just so lush, so many trees. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, I guess it's a, uh, a temperate rainforest environment there. So, huge you know really long growing season uh so like their smallest trees were like our biggest trees in, in minnesota and there's <laughs> a lot of them uh but yeah just the, even the drive out there the way they designed their roads through the highways it's just like cutting through trees the entire way yeah. and there's there's towns and stuff to the sides uh, but you don't see them. You have to exit, go through a bunch of trees, and then you'll find the little town there off to the side. Uh, so that was really beautiful. Cool. Uh, and we did a couple hikes, a uh, couple hikes out there in the um, in the Smoky Mountains um, in North Carolina, and then we went uh, northeast to Charlottesville, Virginia, where I stayed with uh, mm. with a good friend at his place, and did a couple hikes out there. Went to uh, go see Thomas Jefferson's estate. And oh, yeah, that was really there. cool. Yeah. yeah, it was, it was Monticello. neat. It was, uh, it was, I, yeah, Monticello. It was, um, <laughs> I'm usually not into historic sites like that. Uh, but 
it was, uh, so I was pleasantly surprised by how cool it was. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, like living out in the Midwest, you know, all of our history revolves around, um, the slaughter of, uh, of native Americans. And mm-hmm. so we don't really get a good sense of th- the world that was here, um, prior to it being overrun. Uh, and like our oldest buildings are, you know, just a, a, a blip in time compared to other places in the world, like Europe, where I, you know, mm-hmm. I love going to places there and they have so much history in, in a lot of those buildings and architecture. And you can feel, you can feel the human history in those places. So it's, uh, so going to Charlottesville is really cool because of the, uh, you know, the American history there and, um, and seeing Jefferson's estate and they've done a great job keeping it up. Uh, so you got to see his, his place and all the stuff that he engineered around it. Um, they restored some of the, uh, some of the slave quarters on the outsides of it. Um, and that was really cool to see, uh, they, they, all, a lot of stuff had burned down, uh, many, many years ago. Um, so there weren't any original houses left, but they'd recreated some. So you could see how the, uh, how the, the slaves that, that lived there, um, how they lived. Uh, and that was, that was fascinating. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, really impactful. And, uh, they also still have the gardens that they, uh, not, not like, uh, palatial gardens, like you'd find like at a castle or something like that, but you know, like gardens where they're actually growing food, uh, on these little like steps that, that like these kind of like, tiered gardens. Um, mm-hmm. and that was pretty amazing. Uh, and just, just an incredible view. I mean, that dude picked a really cool place to live, on top of a mountain <laughs> with mountains all around and the mm-hmm. mountains there are, you know, aren't as big as the mountains in the Rockies, but there's some pretty big ones and they're all forested all the way to the top. Yeah, what is uh, the name of that? Just I gorgeous. I can't remember the name of that. Monticello. Or no, the national forest there with the mountains. Um, uh, oh gosh. We, I, I forget the name of it also, uh, <laughs> but we went there. It's good stuff. <laughs> it was really yeah. cool. Um, <laughs> And, uh, got actually set foot on the Appalachian trail. Uh, and that was really mm-hmm. neat. We didn't walk down the Appalachian trail. Uh, we just did a little hike that was nearby, but we, uh, I got to see it step on it. So for people who don't know, Appalachian trail is like a 2000 mile trail that runs, uh, effectively North to South uh, along the East through those, through all those mountains. And, um, you know, people hike it in it takes like four to six months to do the entire thing it's very intense well yes there are certain stretches that are very intense did yeah. you do it absolutely <laughs> me no okay. I, I i'd like to do a stretch but only a stretch I'd, yeah i would love to do it when. too it, it like just being on it it's the it's the type of trail that i love it's just it's really really narrow it was just mm. like packed dirt mm. there's uh encroaching uh uh plants and trees all around where so you feel like the forest is like kind of encroaching in on you the entire way uh i love stuff like that so just like looking down the trail it was just it was beckoning <laughs> <laughs> i really wanted to go <laughs> but we were on our way out of the park um so yeah i you know i, I would love to i would love to also walk a stretch for that maybe that's something we should do together for sure that'd be fun yeah that would be um, fun <laughs> uh yeah so that was really cool um I also played uh, Catan Dawn of Humankind while we were there. Uh, it's a new new Catan standalone game that's coming out soon. Uh, 
and that was really fun for uh it's it's unlike normal Catan. it's a um it's not a modular board it's a it's a six panel board that uh, is uh, a katanified version of the world and you start in africa and um and then expand out throughout the rest of the world and you have to like upgrade technologies and things to to get to get your people out of africa and you know you're trying to um it's a victory point game you're trying to get 10 victory points for anyone else but there's lots of ways you can do that by creating camps by uh developing technologies um by having a foot in on each continent around the world uh but the cool part uh, the cool part about it is is as you're going around exploring uh it simulates the desert desert desertification of africa by removing some of those numbers like when you roll in Catan, you roll dice uh to get resources and based on the number of, on this this the space that you occupy you get a certain type of resource but as the game goes on those resources dry out so you're you're compelled to leave africa and then go explore the world mm. um and that was pretty fun my uh my youngest son sam he really he really really liked it and mm. uh cool. liked it so much that um my friend uh, gave him his copy of the game when we left, so he Aww. was super stoked. So I played that again on uh-huh. on Sunday, and that was fun. I didn't win the first time, but i i beat I beat both of my children the second time. So. <laughs> <laughs> at, Gloves are off. Now. That's right. Uh, yeah. That's right. Always, <laughs> they're always off. Those guys will like Sebastian in particular. He's you can't sleep on him. He'll beat you. Uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, don't don't take it too easy on him. Um, and then uh, lastly, I uh, started reading Fellowship of the Ring again. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I read that last summer, and I've been looking for, uh, looking so for a book good. to read. Yeah, and uh, I haven't been able to find anything that's really catching me. But I mm. picked, up, uh, picked up my copy of Fellowship the other day, started reading it, and oh, reading that like book a, again. It's like a warm bath or something. It it is. It's yeah. such a it's such a lovely such a lovely book. I don't think I'll read the whole Lord of the Rings again, and, and I don't know how far I'll I'll get into it. But um, but I've been enjoying it again so far. Cool. It's definitely a book you can read again and mm. take joy in it. Yeah. Awesome. That's it. Is that is it? it? That's it. That's it. Thanks, guys. It was, it was a good episode. And. Uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Reach out to us with all your cool questions. Uh, info at earthborngames.com and we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.